Welcome to the GEMS Report, uh, brought to you by Clarion Events, Fire and Rescue uh, Group, and the Journal of Emergency Medical Services. I'm Ted Lee, Editor-in-Chief of GEMS, and along with Jeff Frankel, our Managing Editor, um, we are bringing you hot topics, relevant news, and guests um, that are writing and doing podcasts and webinars for us at GEMS. Today, it's my great pleasure to introduce uh, Chief, or I'm sorry, Captain Ronnie Duckworth, um, who has written the, our latest article on debriefing tips for EMS professionals. So thank you for joining us today. Well, thank you, Ted. It's wonderful to be here. It's stuff I love talking about, and I love being part of GEMS. Great. Well, why don't you uh, introduce yourself? Uh, tell us uh, a little bit about your background and um, why debriefing um, tends to be such a hot topic and kind of a passion for you. Sure. Um, well, uh, I've been, uh, <clears throat> pardon me, I, I originally went to school for um, chemical engineering and found it was kind of a thing that I wasn't as interested in. Um, but there was one uh, college course that I took on first aid that I really sparked kind of a, a, a fire for me. And I, I, I didn't know any firefighters or EMTs or anything like that. But that one first aid course kind of led me to become an EMT and a volunteer firefighter and a paramedic and a career firefighter. And the the more I learned about um, all of this kind of stuff, the more I enjoyed sharing what I knew and learning from others. And and in addition to sort of the clinical EMS stuff, um, I became really interested in how to really learn uh, and really communicate well um, so that, uh, you know, I've been doing this uh, 30 something years now. Um, and. Every time I go out, every day I go to work, uh, every call I go on, I, I want to learn as much as I can. Uh, and I wanted to be able to share that with other people and help them learn. Um, so that's what drew me down this road of uh, experiential learning and this learning theory stuff. And, and the funny thing is a lot of it was dry and academic, but the more I dug into it, the more I got these sort of um, learning nuggets and, and teaching nuggets of, wow, this is all real stuff that can help me be a better learner every day and me be a better teacher every day. Because we all know tons of people who have lots of experience, um, but they don't seem to be, I hate to say it this way, learning from that experience. They sort of go through a lot of uh, bits of life and, and they don't seem to pick up a whole lot. So, you know, what can we do about that? And that, that's where this article came from. Right. Well, um, you mentioned a couple of things about like real life experience versus academic experience. So, you know, can you elaborate a little bit on, you know, how this might impact either or or is there a difference between the two uh, and kind of how best to to bring out these learning nuggets like you mentioned um, for the individual to actually be able to apply them uh, as they go? Sure, sure. Well, um, you know, I learned from doing a lot of reading as well as, you know, getting out there. And and, and uh, as I say, my, my my passion and my interest is really like, you know, where does the book stuff meet the road stuff and, and how do they align, like you're asking. So I, I read a lot of, um, you know, sort of a fundamental education theory. And some of it I find really, really accessible. Um, uh, back in the, uh, in the early to mid part of the 20th century, uh, there's a guy named John Dewey who wrote a book that's it's not right next to me. It's not immediately right next to me. It's a little bit further away. Um, but <laughs> experience and education. And it's almost like a pamphlet 
But it's all about exactly this. And, and I would recommend it to any uh, any educator, uh, EMS or otherwise. And uh, it, this is his thing was telling isn't teaching. And he wasn't the first to come up with this. Um, but he said, you know, so much um, of what we do is about knowledge transfer, uh, about a teacher giving the bits of information, sort of reading off a screen or reading out of a book to um, to a student. They absorb the information they have learned. Now they can do a thing. And it, it was he said it needs to be about knowledge, not about knowledge transfer, but about knowledge application. What can they do with this? So here's a guy writing almost 100 years ago um, about really teaching kids for the most part. And it resonates with me as an EMS educator. Like, yeah, it needs to be about everything I do when I'm teaching needs to be out about knowledge application. So even when I'm talking about, you know, that really fundamental stuff like anatomy and physiology, I want to um, season it, you know, a little salt and pepper in there about what we're going to be doing with this. Yes, you need to memorize some parts, parts of anatomy and physiology, but the way you get it to really lock in for people uh, as opposed to um, memorize and regurgitate is here's how we're going to use these, uh, you know, how the lungs work and how bits of the heart work. Um, so, so that's where I see some of this academic stuff um, like John Dewey's and, and many, many people um, since him uh, help us really focus on day to day. Like I say, it's sort of professional development as well as, uh, as helping others. Well, that's always kind of a rub, and I, I'm coming from uh, EMS academia as well, where people talk about, you know, the the foundational education versus the practical application, and there's always this kind of push-pull between what they're learning in the classroom versus what they're trying to apply out into the field, and and you see students struggle sometimes with, they're, they're very intelligent, and they understand the, the information, and, you know, they're good at math, and they're good at English, and they're good in their sciences. Um, but when they try to move it towards their hands for the practical application of it, um, that's where some struggle. Um, some can pick it up and they're very technical, um, but they struggle with the academic part versus the technical aspect. Um, so that's always that, that makes it interesting. So how does debriefing help with kind of this transition from this foundational work to the practical application work? Well, one of the big things um, I learned about debriefing for the longest time, I, I think I was first introduced to ideas in debriefing um, when I was running classes and we were running simulations from from sort of, you know, throw a regular CPR mannequin on the floor to some high fidelity CPR mannequins that can, you know, burp and bleed and do all the stuff. Right. And I, and I really thought about sim, uh, uh, debriefing in that way and then i realized boy you can really use this for for anything though you come back from a call and the way for you to think about a call or or there was any significant event in or out of the classroom um so we look at it as uh, the, the focus of debriefing is that where does the learning occur it asks that question and the learning does not occur in the experience so you know we tend to think of and i did for years and years and years like well you put them you know, you have somebody in an experience, whether it's a simulation, whether um, they're, uh, you know, you just give them a tabletop scenario or they're doing a clinical rotation or, or you know, a big event occurred in, in real world, real life. We did a big call. And you think the experience is when they learn, but it isn't. In the experience, people are just reacting for the most part to the stuff that goes right. on around them. 
They're, they're not locking it in as the lessons learned from this to apply to other things that are maybe a little bit different. So, so I, based on other academic learning, the, the way I wrap my head around it, um, this, this, this David Kolb's model of experiential learning, and there's all sorts of research on that. Um, but I bro broke it down into four R's, and that's what's in the article. React, reflect, rules, and repeat. React is the experience, whether it was one that you gave somebody or one that just like, you know, hey, man, this is a big event, and I want to make sure that we learn from this. And that's the react. Again, the word react reminding us that in the event, people are mostly just dealing with whatever it is. They're trying to get through the simulation. They're trying to get through the call. They're trying to save the patient, whatever it happens to be. They're reacting for the most part. Reflect. Man, that's, that's where the real learning begins, where we need to reflect on it. Um, and there's uh, a method that specifically that we use to reflect so we get the most lessons. We call that um, plus delta. There's a ton of debriefing techniques. You can use any one that you prefer, but that's in the reflect step where we tease out the stuff that we should be learning. Then we go to rules. Okay, so we talked about a lot of stuff. People sort of, you know, talked about how they felt about this call or this scenario. And the rules are like, let's get to the bottom line. Here are the rules. Um, bing, bang, boom. When uh, we uh, get a pediatric patient um, and we're hearing that they're supposed to, you know, uh, they're supposed to be having difficulty breathing, we are specifically looking for nasal flaring. We are lifting up their uh, shirts so that we could see those intercostal retractions because even though they may be moving air, that means they're struggling to move air. That's a, you know, a big rule from a big call. Uh, and then we move to the final R, repeat. So how do we take these rules and we know we're going to have other calls? Maybe exactly like this, maybe not quite exactly like this. How are we gonna take these rules and apply them when we repeat this whole scenario? So those are the the, the four R's and that's that's how I wrap my head around how debriefing can help us. Right. Well, um, with this debriefing, and you mentioned, you know, real life scenario or situations versus scenarios. Um, can this be informal? Um, is it better if it's formal? Um, with your four R's, is there, you know, a, a time frame? Because I remember coming up, especially with simulation, where we were talking about for like every one minute, um, that somebody would spend in simulation, there would be like 10 minutes of debriefing that were needed just so that they could actually walk through and understand kind of what they reacted to. Like you pointed out, um, you know, in the moment, a lot of times it's muscle memory. It's things that they don't really understand what they're doing. They're just reacting to it and trying to change that reaction. Yeah, that's really important. Now, that's it's a good guideline if you're doing a simulation and again whether it's a low fidelity simulation or just giving somebody a scenario you know informally like hey if this happened you know tell me what you would do uh, right up to a full you know fake ambulance with real monitors and high fidelity hundred thousand dollar simulator any of them because it gives us an idea that like look um don't schedule this as we're going to give them a simulation that's going to take an hour for them to go through. And then we're going to go 10 minutes of talking about it afterwards. And that that's where learning occurred. And, right. and if you think about it, like you say, with that react and then the reflect part, reflect rules and repeat, <laughs> it takes a while to do that. 
Now, that being said, if you're talking about, say, a real call, if they took them, I don't know, uh, the real call was, you know, an hour and a half or three hours, it doesn't mean it's going to take nine hours to go over all of this stuff. It, 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 the guideline is really just to remind us that the react part it should be sort of the, the the smaller part of it. You have to give time for these other sections. And 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 as you say, it can be informal. It can it, sometimes, you know, I'll go over a, a very simple call um, just the other day uh, with my crew and we're a combined fire EMS service, uh, transport paramedic service. Uh, and we went out on, uh, it was just a, um, medical alarm, just a, you know, a pendant alarm. And it was kind of crazy and confusing. And, and it was a refusal. It was, wasn't even, you know, the person wasn't even injured, but I thought, you know what, the communication went really, really well. So it wasn't just a, you know, wag your finger. We're going to sit down for a debriefing because every, someone screwed up. Um, it was, Hey, I want to take the elements of like how well you did communicating with different units, looking for this patient and trying to gather information. And we put the picture together very quickly. So I want to make sure that not only do I say like, hey, good job, but that we pick out the rules and we go, man, let's use this kind of communication for when we have a really bad, a really complicated call, because that's what's going to guide us through. So it's not always just somebody did something wrong or, or we're going to make this big simulation. It can be, as you say, very simple and informal, but I, I keep those four R's in my mind. I don't say them out loud to the people, right. but. Okay, how am you know how are we going to form it? Like, oh, okay, they reacted, so they weren't thinking about it. Let's reflect on it and talk about it a little bit with our our plus delta there. Uh, let's make sure that I land with the rules that were taken away and how we can apply it when we repeat a call like this. Yeah. So one thing, and we've talked a little bit about this with you know the the classic education student type thing, and then the actual provider. Um, when students get used to having this type of environment where they run calls or they, or they run experiences and they have these debriefings, how does that help with the providers? Because it's like you mentioned, um, not having this being punitive or, you know, we didn't do anything wrong. Nobody's in trouble. Um, how do we how do we continue this into the working profession where they see value in this and that, you know, as leaders, we continue to um provide support and educational opportunities for our crews? I think one thing is if it's going to be, um, so, so first of all, I think it's very important to do exactly that, that this isn't just for the learning environment, it's for ongoing professional development. And that we would say, you know, we wanna, we wanna develop lifelong learners. I hear this all the time, but I see often not a whole lot of effort put into that. Right. For me, this is a way to do that. And number one, uh, when people are first encountering this kind of informal, now it can be it can be formal. Um, uh, people with military experience may know that this is you know this is also used formally, and in some fire departments after or big incident uh, after action reports, this is you know that this follows very much with different labels maybe, but it follows very much this format. Um, so it can be used formally. But I think introducing it informally um, first freaks people out. They're not used to it. They, they, you know, why are my, why are we getting called in to talk about this call? That who screwed up? Who screwed up? Who screwed up? Who's, who's going to get somebody can get blamed? And they're waiting right. the whole time, right? So I found through trial and error, if it's going to be informal, let's keep it informal. And one of the big parts of informal is it's got to be quick. So it doesn't mean we rush through it, but 
for me, for myself, and for the people who are involved, I want people to get a chance to speak, make sure they know I'm listening. I asked you a question because I, I want to hear, right? But know when to shut up. But especially me, I'm getting excited about like, oh, there's all these things that I want stuff from my experience. I want to share about this, but I got to know when to shut up. So we're going to do it informally. And again, you still follow those four R's. I'm keeping it in my mind. But when it comes to rules, pick out the couple of rules from this event. And then, hey, we're done. Move on. Keep it light. We'll all go with that, you know, move on with our day. And I find that people really, once they realize this is not something punitive, no one's getting in trouble, or even if things didn't go as well as we we wanted, you know, this is not me looking to, to yell at somebody. They really like it for those lessons learned. And they see it as professional development. Um, uh, as long as we keep it relatively light and definitely short, but but focused. Right. Well, to your point with focus, too, I, I know, you know, as an educator, a lot of times, you know, people are trying to cover so much stuff and then you turn a debriefing into just another wash where the individual is just, you know, blasted with so much information like I'm not learning anything instead of picking out, you know, key elements of this is the takeaway from this give them actionable items where they have a couple things that they either can work on or that they know that they did really well um and to to really you know launch into the next one um a little bit more prepared yeah absolutely and i think that's that's key as as we said in the in the beginning um it's about knowledge application people want bits uh, that are going to make them better in doing things, not just to know. So I try hard to keep that in mind when we're we're trying to pull out those rules that I explicitly say, not just, you know, you should do this or you should know this. Now you know this. It's it now you know, go and do better. Um, that this is how you can use this. Or I honestly, again, I try to know when I need to shut up. Hey, if this is a rule that worked out, how can we use this on the next call? and have them think about it. Again, it, the focus isn't me. If the focus is supposed to be them getting better, then they need to roll this stuff around in their heads. And maybe I facilitate it. You know, I'll throw out a little bit of, well, you know, what if, um, you know, uh, it was a, a really bad pediatric call and, right. you know, how quickly, or, hey, remember, this isn't just the paramedic thing. Um, the EMTs can do this too, because paramedics can also you know, miss out on stuff uh, and not because they're bad paramedics, because they get overwhelmed with stuff and, you know, maybe throw a little bit of a, a things out there, how we can use it, but really focus on them saying, well, here's how I can take this away. And man, then they really come away with, oh, I came up with stuff from this little quick sit down and they get really excited about it. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that always helps too. I mean, it, it helps reinforce um, you know, their own learning and their own capabilities. And then, of course, ultimately, they have the confidence to move on because, you know, we're not always going to be there for them. The educators aren't always going to be there for them. And, you know, I used to say this, you know, I'm not going to be there at three o'clock in the morning when you need to make this decision on your own um, or when you're in charge. So um, it, it get, I think it helps, you know, give them the confidence to move forward, um, you know, with this. So, um, I, you know, I think this is great. I've, like I said, you know, I have a, an academic uh, background and, you know, these debriefings and interactions, I think, have always been, you know, very valuable um, for us. So I wanted to thank you again um, for the article. We have a webinar uh, with you uh, this month as well um, on this topic. 
Um, any last tidbits, um, little things you want to put out before the webinar? Um, you know, now's your time. And I would say, you know, uh, uh, take a look at the article. Um, we're going to be able to expand on some of the stuff that we we said in the article because we didn't want to put it everything in there. And and as you say, I wanted to make even the article so that people could tease out sort of those key elements. Um, but in the webinar, we'll be able to uh, dive into how um, give some more examples of how we can use this uh, uh, so people can see how this can be applied on a regular basis to really make their work better, make make their professional development better, um, but uh, really to be a force multiplier. Um, because once people start getting these good takeaways and feeling good about it, uh, as you say, when you're not there, they're going to be sharing this good stuff when you're not even in the room. And, and, and that's how we make your service better it's how we make the profession better yes and, and to your point that's how we transfer education and experience you know um the the 20 years 20 plus years that i have the 30 years that you have um everybody that's coming through how do we give this to the next generation um because we won't be here all the time and we will be passing the baton you know on to, on to the next group that that will be uh, running ems for the future so um again i want to thank you for your time it was wonderful talking to you um, and we look forward to um, more articles and uh, the webinar coming up for sure. Um, again, thank you very much. Thank you, sir.